Greetings, and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. The topic for this week's broadcast is Christianity and the Phoenix Myth. Please welcome Reverend George Wolfe. Hello, and welcome to today's lesson on Converging Streams. There's a passage in the Christian Gospels where Jesus says, He who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. I find this passage rather fascinating because it seems to be the very opposite of what we are told to do in the world in terms of promoting ourselves. I mean, if you're going to take a job interview, you are told that you need to convince your potential future employer of how good you are, of what you can do to contribute to the company, of what your achievements were in the past, what you've accomplished. You need to promote yourself. And if you're going to sell a product, for example, you need to convince people that your product is better than another product. Seems to be quite the opposite of the idea that in order to advance, we need to humble ourselves. Many of you, I'm sure, have had the experience where this principle seems to be true. For example, you may have done something in the past to help somebody, uh, and you felt it was rather insignificant or unimportant, but the person later comes back to you and tells you how important that was, how significant that action was, that selfless service that you performed at that time, how it changed their life. Uh, Teachers often have this experience where a student they had had maybe 10 years ago in a class and perhaps the teacher doesn't even remember the student very well and yet the student will write them a letter saying how they appreciated being in their class and how much an impact they had on the direction their life had taken. Now in ancient times this idea was referred to as dying within. That is to say dying within was a metaphor for removing our ego from what we do a metaphor for performing selfless service, surrendering oneself to the will of Almighty God. It was conceived that humans had a dual nature, a lower animal nature and a higher spiritual nature. And in order for the higher spiritual nature to be born and to guide one's life, one's lower animal nature had to be overcome. And the ego The selfishness of our selves was assigned to or seen as a part of that lower animal nature because this is what we observe in the animal kingdom, that animals seem to be pretty much in it for themselves in a selfish way. Now, there's an ancient myth which dealt with much of this, and that ancient myth is called the myth of the phoenix. The phoenix was conceived of as this ancient bird which had wings of fire that flew out of the sun and that journeyed to earth, cremated itself, and then resurrected itself out of its own ashes to begin a new life cycle, in which case it returned back to the sun. Now, one of the oldest meanings attributed to the myth dealt with an explanation for the movement of the sun through the sky. After all, a lot of ancient myths really were formed to try to explain things that people didn't understand at the time. The idea being that in the evening, when the sun sets, it is as if it dies, and then it is reborn each morning as it rises. It also was a means of explaining how fire came to earth, as the 
bird had wings of fire and had brought the fire to earth. Later, the myth came to reflect the ancient view that creation is self-sacrificial by design. Self-sacrificial meaning that living things sustain themselves by killing and devouring other forms of life. In other words, it is through death that life perpetuates itself, that every creature that is killed is an offering of sacrifice so that life itself may continue. This, I'm sure, was seen as a great paradox, that life is actually sustained through dying. And it is embodied in the ancient Phoenix myth, conveying the belief that death is not an end to life, but rather a means through which it is transformed. Now, eventually, the idea was internalized to mean dying within in the way that we have spoken of earlier, humbling oneself so that one may be exalted, dying within so that one may be born a second time in life and guided by one's higher spiritual nature rather than by one's lower selfish animal nature. Now, the story of the phoenix is most known in the West as an Egyptian myth, but, in fact, it is one of the most pervasive myths of the ancient world. It is also found in Russian mythology, where it is known as the firebird. Igor Stravinsky, a great composer, Russian composer, wrote a suite called the Firebird Suite. It was composed to accompany the ballet version of this myth. But the oldest written rendition of the phoenix is found in Hindu scripture, a scripture known as the Rig Veda, where the phoenix is referred to as the sunbird. The following lines of poetry come from the Rig Veda and deal with this image. Now in these verses you're going to hear the word Yama. Yama is the Hindu name for the god of death. Longing for you in their heart, they saw you flying to the dome of the sky as an eagle, the golden-winged messenger, the bird hastening into the womb of Yama. Then the divine youth climbed straight back up to the dome of the sky, bearing his many-colored weapons, dressing himself in a perfumed robe, looking like sunlight. He gives birth to his own names. The wise see in their heart, in their spirit, the bird anointed, the poets see him inside the ocean. The sages seek the footprints of his rays. That's a reading of a few of the verses dealing with the sunbird, or the phoenix, in the Hindu scripture known as the Rig Veda. Now in the first verse that I read, one may find it odd to hear the phrase, womb of Yama. After all, Yama is the god of death in Hindu mythology, so what is the god of death doing with a womb? A womb is associated with birth. The answer to this paradox is that death, in this context, is not viewed as an end to life, but as a means of renewal. As the leaves die in the fall only to nourish the soil in preparation for the rebirth of spring. Now, in addition to Hinduism, the image of the sunbird or the phoenix is also found in Judaism and Christianity. There are several passages in Hebrew scripture, such as in the book of Exodus and in the book of Isaiah, where it speaks of God raising up the Israelites on eagles' wings. 
a verse in the Hebrew book of Malachi refers to the Messiah as the son of righteousness. And here in translation, son is spelt S-U-N. Malachi 4, 1 and 2 reads, The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Clearly a bird image. Now in Christianity, Jesus Christ in the Gospels can be seen as the sunbird or the phoenix given human form. In the verses of the Rig Veda quoted above, the sunbird is said to be anointed. Likewise, the Greek word for Christ, Christos, literally means anointed one. And the Gospel of Luke further describes Christ as the light of the world who came to, quote, cast fire upon the earth, close quote, Luke 12, 49. He then dies, resurrects, and ascends back to heaven, the ascension corresponding to the flight of the sunbird, or the phoenix, back to the sun. We're now going to hear a short passage of music from a composition by a Japanese composer named Rianoda. And the title of the composition is Phoenix. It was written for unaccompanied alto saxophone, and it opens with this image being conveyed musically of the bird gliding and soaring in the dome of the sky as it begins its journey to earth, only to die and to resurrect and ascend back into the heavens. That was an excerpt from the composition Phoenix by Japanese composer Rionoda, in which he depicts the journey of the sunbird or phoenix from heaven to earth and back to heaven. 
the bird returning to the sun after dying and resurrecting from its own ashes. I mentioned earlier that in the Gospels, the phoenix is given human form in the figure of Jesus Christ. His miraculous birth, death, resurrection, and ascension corresponding to the life cycle of this great mythological creature. In this way, the heavenly realm of myth and the earthly realm of history were conceived of as being united, the truth of this great pervasive myth being acted out, as it were, on the stage of the earth. Now many of us may anticipate heaven on earth as a time of great peace and prosperity for all, but it may be that the writers of the Gospels had a much different vision in mind. They saw it rather as the union of myth and history, with Jesus the focal point of that union. The life of Jesus Christ as a human embodiment of the phoenix also exemplifies the truth of his statement, He who humbles himself will be exalted. Born in a humble manger in Bethlehem and suffering the humility of death by public crucifixion, he is raised in the minds of all who believe in him and ascends to the status of being perhaps the most influential and certainly the most enigmatic teacher in history. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolf, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant week.